Welcome to Dog Sports Live. This is uh, Sunday, February 21st, and we are here to break down. Uh, this is the first of our spring previews of Georgia's position units. Uh, my name is Graham Coffee, and I am joined by Mr. Josh Hancher. Say hello, Josh. Hey, guys. We're back. And there was, sorry for the little, uh, um, the other little uh, in incorrect tweet from earlier but we are live now we're, we're here it wouldn't be a show with graham and josh without at least one glitch in the technology matrix so now we've got that one out of the way we're ready to roll um so yeah we're gonna start out our spring previews talking about the quarterbacks um really you know jt daniels came in uh in the last season and with him at the helm Georgia has more certainty at quarterback than at any point, probably since the days of Aaron Murray. Um, he flashed a lot of promise in the four starts that he had in the season. And I would say Georgia fans have a right to be excited about what a full off season uh, will do for his relationship with the wide receivers and what Todd mocking can do with his arm uh, over the next six, eight months. Um, but there is a few things that could be the difference between another 10 and two season for Georgia and an undefeated regular season Heisman finalist kind of year for Daniels. So we're going to get into a little position breakdown of him um, a little bit later, but first we want to talk about the depth chart. Uh, first, obviously is Daniels. Um, obviously he started four games after tearing his ACL at USC in the first game of his sophomore season in 2019. Um, I think it's easy to forget that he was the third ranked quarterback in the class of 2018, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Both have had really great careers, have been Heisman trophy finalists, have played for national championships and are on to the NFL. And Daniels was kind of the third guy out of that class that everyone thought was going to be a stud quarterback. Um, so last year, he really sort of flashed that five-star potential for the first time. Uh, he threw for 1,231 yards in four games, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. If you watch Georgia, you know the offense looked totally different with him versus without him. Um, second on the depth chart with Daniels is going to be Stetson Bennett, maybe. Uh, Bennett was never in Georgia's plans for 2019, but Jamie Newman left. Dewan Mathis didn't pan out, and – the lights came on and all of a sudden Georgia was losing to Arkansas with uh, about 10 minutes to go in the first half and, and entered Bennett and his size was a liability. His arm strength wasn't great. He took risks he probably shouldn't have. And he had a tendency to lock onto receivers when other guys were open. But despite all of his flaws, Georgia probably would have been around 520 20 without him being in the program. So I don't think he'll be in Georgia's plans for 2020, but if he remains the backup, come opening day uh i think that tells us a lot about where brock vandegriff and carson beck are um josh is running some clips here and in them you kind of see the you know the good and the bad of bennett there was some some great moments but uh also had a tendency to stare down guys and not recognize open receivers um 
Yeah, this third and ten here against know, Alabama. This is pretty great. Here we go. This is, uh, you know, we're going to talk about <laughs> quarterbacks, and and the first thing we're going to play is you know Alabama. But hey, you know this this guy's on a roster, like you said. I mean, we wouldn't have. Yeah, this is just where he just stares them down, and you know, there's a lot of debate about this this particular play. We, but again, we were, uh, you know, that, that 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 I guess that technically that's a drop, but that's a bad throw. Yeah, and there was some other throws in that game that were rough. But um, here's our guy, Brock Vandergriff. Um, him and Carson Beck, like this is going to be the position battle to watch if you're a Georgia fan this spring. We know Daniels is going to start. We know Bennett is still in the on the roster with some starting experience in the SEC, which is valuable. But chances are that one of these guys, Brock Vandergriff or Carson Beck, is going to be Daniels' backup. And whoever wins this position battle is going to have the inside track to be Georgia's starter in 2021. Uh, assuming that Daniels goes to the NFL draft after next season. Beck was a four-star recruit from the class of 2020. He was a blue-chip recruit, not a mega recruit like Vandegriff. Um, Vandegriff, as you can see here, is tall. He's got a big arm. He has all of the tools that scouts salivate over. But don't sleep on Carson Beck. Uh, Vandegriff comes in with a torn PCL in his shoulder that was injured during his team's run to the state title. So I don't know how healthy he is. He's got the ability to throw the ball a mile and everyone's raved about his competitiveness, competitiveness, but Beck has a leg up in this competition, probably at the moment. Uh, he's healthy. He spent a season under Monken in the offense. Spring practice is going to be a great opportunity for both of them. But, you know, Beck was a four-star recruit. Like he wasn't this, mega recruit like Daniels or Vandegrift were, but he won a state title in Florida. And like, we just watched Mac Jones win a Heisman after being a, a three-star recruit out of Jacksonville. So uh, you never know like where that production is going to come from down and the road. Flipped, and, and he flipped from Florida to Georgia. So, I mean, this, you know. yeah. And he was committed to Alabama at one time. So oh, it's yeah. like, yeah. And everyone wanted him, you know what I mean? Um, but well, let's yeah, talk about so, JT. Let's talk about, let's, yeah. let's the, you know, Break down this play right here. You, you're, he's got a little bit of mobility that we like to see from him. Yeah, so, I mean, first with Daniels, let's start with a good. Um, he has excellent processing ability. Um, like, if you watch him, even though that's an incomplete pass there, he sees the field like a 10-year a NFL vet. That's not an exaggeration. He does not stare down his primary target. Uh, he does a great job of finding open guys and – in his starts uh, that we saw from him. Like when the ball is snapped, he is never going to stare down his primary receiver. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that was a kind of a drop, maybe a little bit misplaced ball there to um, McKitty, but we're going to see some stuff here that really is what you want to see from a young quarterback, which JT Daniels is, you know, he's about to be a, a senior technically, but this guy only has 16 starts under his belt in college football. Um, that pass there, you know, he's, he's going to start here. He's going to look off the defender or, well, that was actually just great recognition of seeing George Pickens open, but um, he's got good processing ability. He just finds open guys when so, they're so, there. Yeah. He, he's, so, this guy just took off too early. He looks at him and just sees yeah. right there. He, he's got him right on the, on the, 
on the sticker or whatever you want to call that that player i'm gonna get lit up but look at that oh uh, just perfect <laughs> you know if they're in sync i'm gonna see that all i can't wait to see this all season long yeah totally and i mean we're gonna look at a lot of clips from this mississippi state game which was his first ever start but the thing you notice with daniels is like he uh he really reads defensive backs well when there is a guy when there's a defensive back with his back turned like he is going to punish him for that um so yeah i mean like the, the other thing we really like about him is he throws it into tight windows he anticipates his receivers breaks and then ball placement right there is the ball placement we're talking about like he is seeing the field in a three-dimensional kind of way a lot of quarterbacks they only see two-dimensional windows they see openings and they try and throw them there daniel's really uses the trajectory of the ball very well he has great touch and he has the ability to loft the ball over defenders just like that throw to robertson there um he trusts his arm in a way that we haven't really seen uh from a quarterback in athens in a long time Fromm was really comfortable throwing the ball to the sidelines but i can't recall too many times where he you know was using his touch as frequently as we see daniels do it um and yeah i mean i I think that's the the promise of Daniels that's so tantalizing uh, to, to Georgia fans and to probably the NFL scouts as well is like there is a little bit of that like Aaron Rodgers ability to see things that a normal quarterback isn't going to see. Yeah. So now and we like this. He, he can still do things with his legs, too. I believe we got some of him. Yeah. Yeah. Rolling he, out here. He, yeah, and I mean, that's a great – he is comfortable throwing on the run. Um, and we'll show you some stuff later where he gets himself in the trouble a little bit trying to scramble around too much. But, like, he he moves the pocket well. That's another, you know, just, just, just well-placed ball to the sideline. Yeah, I mean, like, he's comfortable throwing the ball in tight coverage. This is going to be another ball to Burton right here. Boom. You know, there's not a lot of guys that are confident enough to throw that. And there's times where – Maybe that's a dangerous throw. Yeah, that's tight. But after watching Dewan Mathis and Stetson Bennett play all year and not have confidence last season, uh, watching him come in and just, like, seeing that belief was great. This ball right here to Pickens, like, it kind of looks like a chuck it sort of, like, screw it sort of throw. But the reality is that he looked downfield, he saw his best receiver in single coverage with the defender's back turned. And he put it where only his guy was going to catch it. Well, did did he did he think he had a free play with the with the because he looked right so. here. Yeah, and I don't know if they they call. I think they did call offside. So I mean, this is just the Aaron Rodgers. I got a free play. So yeah, just chuck it. You know, and if, right. you know he knows where number one is, and that's who he's going to give that ball to right there. And well, yeah. another thing I I really like about him is his ability to to stand in like he is not afraid of contact and especially coming off of a, a pretty catastrophic knee injury. Uh, he hung in and took a lot of hits and there was a point in time in this Missouri game where the score was tied and they were, they were throwing blitzes at him a lot and he got comfortable with the contact and with the pressure. And then he started making plays like that where it's like, okay, this is man coverage cover zero. They're going to, they're going to bring a bunch of backers at me. And I've got George on, you know, on a slant route. That's easy. That's a touchdown every day. Um, and then this ball to Washington right here too. It's a little bit underthrown, but 
it's still put in the spot where your six, seven guy can make a play that's going to be really hard for the defender to make. So you have to like just his ability to recognize matchups in real time and exploit them. Yeah, it's so good. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we talked about it. You know, we're returning 95% of our of our uh, offense next year. I mean, it's just, you know, I just cannot wait to yeah. see more yeah, of I mean, Georgia, I mean, it was like we were all, like, just, you know, pulling our hair out at the end of the year and going, where has this been? And, you know, the debate of, wow, he didn't play earlier. It can, you know, we're not going to go back there. But what, now we got him. Let's, you know, and it, it's everything's looking good. Like you say, barring yeah. any sort of bad, bad news, he's the, the man for no question. Totally. Yeah. And let's, let's play that back one more time. Cause that's that kind of moving the pocket we're talking about um, these next two plays here, or this is a Rhonda cook, but yeah, this guy, this one right here. I mean, this is third and 10. It's a tie game. Missouri has got momentum. There's a minute left in the first half. You don't yes. want to punt back to him. Right. And you know, Monken calls a sideline throw moves the pocket I mean, he looks extremely comfortable throwing the ball on the run, and he puts it, you know, in a perfect spot for for Kyrus to make it. And then this is his first ever touchdown pass at Georgia. Similar rollout to the right type of play, and just create an angle where he can put the ball into to Pickens that wouldn't exist from the pocket. I mean, that was, you know, that's that's sick. What, yeah, right. when that happened, I like stood up from my couch and was like, okay, like this. Everything yeah. just changed for Georgia football with this. Yeah, guy. I mean, as, as Jake Fromm wasn't making that throw, he just wasn't. I mean, no, it's just not yeah. his game. And we've this is, I mean, I, I this is the best quarterback, right? Since probably, I mean, like since Matt since Stafford Murray. in terms of, yeah, I mean, I mean, but Stafford, you know, just terms of NFL. Oh yeah, frame NFL. And, yeah, he was Murray was accurate and very poised and a great leader. I mean, but it's there's some stuff that JT has that that Aaron just doesn't. Um, yeah, totally. And that's, and that's why he's got a podcast and JT Daniels is going to be playing on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to be hanging out with Drew Butler. Um, This right here, that footwork and ball delivery was probably the best throw he made all season. Uh, Pickens dropped it in the end zone, but like the evading of the rush and spinning out and then finding your guy in a window between two defenders in the perfect spot like that was his best throw of the year in my opinion um and the fact that he was doing that now we know on a knee that, that yeah you, you can know, see he i mean he doesn't really step into it like he just kind of flings it yeah you can see yeah. he's still not trusting that knee in the play before that that throw to curious that was you know that's a ball that jackson should catch for a touchdown but that ball was underthrown, and i think the yeah this this shot right here um if he puts that out there, it's an easy touchdown. And I think the, the thing that that's the biggest thing for him is hitting some of these deep ball wide receivers, but you know, that play happened. And then the drop that we just showed happen and then show him what happens next on uh, the play after this is yeah, he's got poise. And I think like he's got that rare trait that few quarterbacks possess. And when shit hits the fan, He's going to keep firing. He's got a short memory. Um, and, I mean, the Cincinnati game, we saw that. Yeah, like you've just had two touchdown passes in a row dropped. You get a holding penalty after a, a third down conversion to make it third and 20. Again, that ball's a little underthrown, truthfully. 
Um, but Jackson cleared his man by like five yards, so it really didn't matter anyways. But, I mean, just the – that's a lot of mental toughness. And the average 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kid isn't able to stay that level snap to snap throughout a, a major college football. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, you know, we were obviously – everyone that followed anything to do with SEC football, especially Georgia fans, knew that just the offense was very, very – pedestrian is and monken was calling good plays and we just couldn't execute him but you know i'm tracking that whole yards per play uh stat you know net yards per play and and georgia was you know middle of the pack not much different than you know the uh old misses and lsus and the team that that weren't really competitive but man i mean we increased it almost by a full yard just in those four games we had really and i mean we it, it's not hard to say that yeah that that was going to be an elite level production uh, with with you know ten or twelve full games of JT Daniels, so I mean it's just it's a game changer, it's a total absolute game changer. And we were all scratch. I was scratching my head. It's like what it, when he transferred in on the heels of Newman, you know, having already you know sort of come over from Wake Forest, and you know, and thank goodness. I mean, you know, Kirby. Yeah, Kirby got Kirby knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And I mean, when you're talking about that net yards per play, I know that's something you and I have talked about in the past, but for some folks that might be watching this for the first it's, time yeah we talk a lot of you know the epa and some of the success rates and all sort of the explosiveness and all that sort of stuff but net yards per play is a really basic stat where you just take your your uh, offensive yards per play and your and you subtract your defensive yards per play so it's just sort of kind of an overall scale on you know on on you know if you have a really good defense you know you obviously you can make up some of that but you you know your your good your good to great defenses are four four yards per play your really great great offenses are six and a half seven yards per play and you really want to get to where your offense is putting up one and a half minimum to two yards per play better than your defense is allowing and that gets you into uh elite level college football playoff um field kind of stuff and you know alabama was you know was three yards net per play last year you know and all yeah. and as as bad as ohio state was or some people said not as bad as they were but as you know everyone was questioning their their resume they had a really really strong net yards per play as did clemson and notre dame not so much <laughs> so, but funny uh, how that worked out huh? yeah exactly and i mean you know it was, it's it's you know college football playoff um, teams that have a higher net yards per play against other college. I mean, in the college football playoff are like, you know, winning 70% of the games. So it's, it's a measure of how good you are against everyone else. And also it's, it's a, you know, it's fairly predictive of, you know, an outcome of an individual game at, at you know, at that point of the season when you've got a large sample size. Nice. Oh, that's, that's yeah. And that's something we'll be tracking a lot on the show as we move into the regular yeah, once season. We get some stats. All right. What are we, what else we got here? Let's get in some more plays here. Yeah, uh, you so wanna, let's, let's get into let's the Cincinnati talk, that Cincinnati drive. Uh, yeah the the last drive of the game there. Yeah, or no, this is uh this is kind of some of the so the, the bad, the bad we, we've talked a lot about the good with JT. Um, the bad is that there's a tendency to to play a little bit of hero ball and do too much, and this is a perfect example where that ball should have been thrown out of bounds two seconds ago. Uh, he's fortunate there that you know that ball kind of flutters out of, out of bounds instead of popping up in the air into a defender's hands for an interception. But, like, it's undue risk. And we saw kind of flashes of it in 
his first few starts, but when things really started going poorly against Cincinnati, he started pressing more than necessary. Um, and I think that that's going to be the biggest thing. And then this is the other thing is he struggles. I mean, that, that ball, not so much, but there's times where he really struggles with deep shots. Um, and yeah, this is a poor decision on that interception, but like right here, I believe is the, the fumble. If no. Yeah. That's just, Oh yeah. That's just like, what's going on. Yeah, exactly. I guess he's trying to throw that. I believe this is a fumble here. Yeah. No. So, Oh no, this is an underthrown depot and you know, that's a touchdown to Arian Smith. If that ball is laid out into the paint of the end zone. And yeah, this yeah, is the fumble, the fumble where he's just trying to, yeah, just get down. It's like, dude, just get rid of the ball or get down. Yeah. Yeah. One or the it. other. Um, and you're down 11, you're inside the close to the red zone and you fumble. That's a, that you shouldn't come back from that. That's just bad play. Well, and he fumbled two possessions. I believe it was two, either two in a row or two out of three. But yeah, I mean, there was Georgia was down 11 and there was two fumbles in that third quarter on what could have been touchdown drafts. But here you here you are down two with a minute to go. This guy is thrown for almost 400 yards, but he's had a rough day. He's been responsible for three turnovers, and he makes the right play there to McIntosh. You know, like that's that's the game winning play right there. And this is the difference between hot pod probably kicking the game winner and not kicking the game winner is finding Fitzpatrick on that short little route, and then here you're second and six no timeouts 15 seconds left and that's not a completed pass but, but it, yeah it's it didn't exactly. complete but it didn't cost us anything and you know you didn't throw it to a guy that was open that wouldn't have gotten out of bounds and it killed the clock right the clock didn't stop here oh. though like that was uh probably should have been intercepted honestly but uh <laughs> it wasn't it got away with it but like you know that that really was glaring in the second half against uh Cincinnati and we didn't see it as much in his first three starts was like there were guys streaking wide open and he was underthrowing them at times most of the time he's underthrowing them sometimes he's overthrowing them um let's look at those next couple of clips from the Mississippi State game if you have them um or no yeah this is it okay yeah so This is kind of that same sort of like, you know, not every play has to be a touchdown. If this is the play, I think it is. Um, yeah, it's just like, hey, man, let's, you know, let's get rid let's of Let's get down. Let's yep. get rid of the ball. Um, and this right here, like we've talked a lot about his deep ball not being great. This, when he steps into the ball and drives off his front foot, like that ball is thrown into a small window from 60 yards away to the sideline. Like there are not that many dudes walking around on planet earth that can make that throw. Um, the question is what kind of happened the last few games where he started under throwing some of those balls. Was that his knee or is it a psychological thing? Cause like Burton is never, that open on this play 
And so it, it's like, okay, I got to throw this ball precisely. And I wonder a little bit with him if it's a psychological thing of this guy's wide open. I don't want to overthrow it. Cause like there, that's an underthrow. Jermaine Burton makes a great catch and, and bodies off that defender. And that's a free play shot. Like that was an offsides, but still that ball thrown out in front of Burton in stride is a touchdown. Um, and, you know, knowing after the season that he's going to have to have knee surgery and obviously we knew his knee was bad and that's why he didn't play for most of the season. Like, I wonder if some of that has to do with the, the back right knee. Um, and if maybe we'll see him in maybe even in G day, we'll see him look different and kind of drive off that back foot. And that would be very encouraging, but I would think that's probably priority one for Todd Mock in this off season is working with him on his mechanics. Cause like, if you, if you'll run one of those plays again, you can kind of see when he goes to throw those deep balls uh, that, that he underthrows, like he doesn't really drive off the back foot and his hip kind of opens up too soon before it, his hips opening and following through before his arm is and really his shoulder should be coming through first. And so he's losing all of his velocity. And then also like he's, he's cocked back um, and he's, he's throwing off his back foot and it's like, he really should be driving off that back foot and stepping in. He has such a strong arm that he gets away with it more often than not. But if he'll really work on those mechanics on those kind of 30 plus yard throws, then with what Georgia returns at receiver and running back and the ability to, or the necessity for defenses to respect both sides of the ball that like JT Daniels could legitimately be a Heisman finalist kind of quarterback next year. And that's not, that's not me being a Homer or exaggerating. Like there's just, there's going to be guys open all over the field when you return your seven top wide receivers and you have the stable of running backs that Georgia has, like defenses will have to pick their poison and he can take advantage of that. Well, you know, we're, you're talking about some of those things about getting rid of the ball or, you know, don't take that sack or whatever. And, or, you know, playing the hero ball. There is, there is a side to that that is good. I mean, not to mention just the mental toughness and the short, you know, memory like you talk about, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, is, is, I was listening to the football analytics show and they had a, a guy that beat writer for the, for the Packers. It talks about, you know, he's notorious for avoiding sacks, but sometimes those sacks that you're avoiding, sometimes you give up on a play or you're scared. You don't want to throw an interception. So you throw it away. And I mean, that was definitely Jake from don't turn the ball over, don't take sacks, but you know, JT Daniels is a different kind of quarterback. And yeah, right. he might have a bad sack every now and then, or he might throw a, an ill-advised pass that where he trusts his arm too much and he gets picked off or whatever. But, you know, you can't take that away from him because those can be game-changing plays too. And if he, I, I, he's just a different quarterback than we've seen, certainly any different, way different than any quarterback you know, that, that we've seen in a few years, certainly in the Kirby Smart era. Of course, we've only seen yeah. really just a little bit of, of Eason, you know, and two, you know, uh, three years of Fromm, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I love having a quarterback <laughs> that it looks to be as good. I mean, he can only, I mean, I, you know, I just, if he cleans up some of the stuff you're talking about and you learn and trust his knee or gets his knee completely healthy and fires, I mean, he's, he's going to be trouble. 
No, yeah, I mean, he's got that gunslinger mentality, and it's first of all, it's fun to watch. And as a Georgia fan, I think there's been a lot of success in the Kirby Smart era, but those teams, other than 2017, have, in 2018, Georgia's offense was awesome, but like. Yeah. Other than those two years, Georgia's offense hasn't really been fun to watch. Um, last year, you know, t- 2019 was like just such a trudge. You know, I yeah. think it was how many games was it that we didn't have a pass over 10 yards? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was like four or five in a row. And then Fromm finally hit Blaylock on that bomb. You know, we had nine straight three and outs to end the Auburn game when you're up three touchdowns and should be able to salt this game away. And a lot of that was Coley, but a lot of that was also, you know, the loss of his wide receivers really, I think, shook Jake Fromm's confidence in a way yeah. that no one expected. And especially when Cager wasn't healthy, that was the one guy he trusted. It, later in the year, he started to develop a rapport with Pickens and Blaylock, and we saw a little flow come back to that offense by Georgia Tech in the Sugar Bowl. But it it was just maddening to watch. And like the – the Kirby Smart kind of mantra, at least from the outside looking in, has been a lot of you're not going to go broke taking a profit. You know, three yeah. yards, three and a half yards of play equals a first down, which <laughs> is true, but it, it's not, you know, there's times, especially in this day and age of college football with the offenses you face, where like you have to be able to go and score and a couple minutes and you have to be able to, to counter punch on offense. And there was all the talk last year of Saban's comments get about, the safe, yeah, you got to get the yeah. safeties out of the running plays. And the only way right. to do that is to challenge downfield, you know, like, and my favorite quote from JT Daniels is like, you've got, you've got George Pickens and all this, you know, talent wide receiver. I'm going to throw the ball to him. You know, you know, it's like, yeah, right. you're not there to block. Yeah. Yeah. We brought him here. They were recruited. I'm going to throw the ball to him, you know, and it's like, and you could tell the, the way that the receivers started to play once he came in was totally different. And the way they blocked was better too, because it was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get a cookie. If I, if I do good here, you know, they're going to throw me a bone, but I think that the higher Todd Mocken in hindsight, uh, we thought it was going to be a great thing. We thought it was going to be kind of modernizing this offense and opening things up more. And that was the case from game one on the plays were there. The receivers were wide open, but we didn't really, we just didn't have a quarterback that could recognize open men and hit them. And then once Daniel showed up, you know, you're averaging over 300 yards a game passing and that South Carolina game, you know, we threw the ball 16 times. Like it was, it was just a a run them into the dust kind of situation. So nine minute drive, no passes to end the game, nine minutes, which is, Absolutely sexual, and I'm always for. <laughs> oh um, man! All right, we got to get yeah, out of here. We're, we're, yeah, uh, you got any other thoughts? No, man. I'm just happy to be back. I, you know, but you've got some work stuff going on. I got some work stuff going on, but we're gonna try to to get some stuff uh, out there so that we're ready for G Day, and um, you know, before we know it, it'll be here. So, uh, and yeah. I'm good. Go dogs! Take us out of here, Graham. Yeah, thank you guys for joining us. This was the first of our spring position previews. Um, We'll be back uh, probably later this week or maybe next weekend uh, with with our next one. And we'll we'll get through all of them before we hit G-Day. And then we'll have a lot of fodder to talk about then. Um, 
thank you guys for joining us. Please uh, like this video if you're watching it on YouTube. And even if you're not watching it on YouTube, please go and subscribe to the Dog Sports Live YouTube channel. Um, we've already seen a lot of participation there and we'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments um you can find josh on twitter at dog underscore stats you can find me on twitter at dog out west and uh you can find this show also on uh, dogsports.com who is kind enough to let us come on here and talk out of our asses so we appreciate them uh yeah thank you guys for joining us and we'll see you soon all right